So at 6.30, I went to my friend's room and I was like, rise and shine, like, wake up. And then I quickly got ready and I had to, like, check my phone constantly because I was getting, like, all these messages. I had to check WhatsApp, like, my Instagram DMs, my emails, like, all these different platforms. My brain was exploding, but it was fine. I got a cheese and tomato toasty from this cafe. And, oh, my gosh, the craziest thing as well, because the day before, on Thursday, I did a shoot with... Sydney Morning Herald and at one of the cafes next to the cafe I got my cheese and tomato toasty from I saw myself on the front page and I was like oh my gosh that is crazy I'm literally like that's me right there and no one realizes it from Schwartz Media and 7am this is The Vote as we enter the final weeks of the election campaign there's one group of people more stressed more disillusioned than most teenagers, desperate to see change, but unable to get their voice heard. Today, 7am producer Cara Jensen-McKinnon on a day in the life of a teenager trying to make change happen before it's too late. It's Monday, May 2. The school climate strikes have filled our TV screens for years. Thousands of Melbourne students have skipped school to hit the streets of the CBD and hand out lessons on climate change. With images of cute kids trying to save the planet from the climate crisis. In the biggest protest yet over the state of our planet. But I wanted to know, what has driven them into years of organising and how is this climate-focused election impacting young Australians, especially their mental health? Hi, I'm Natasha. I'm in Year 12 and I'm a school strike for climate organiser. When I first met Natasha, a Year 12 student from Northwest Sydney, she describes herself as a bit of a screenager. And she's not wrong. She spent the whole morning fielding media requests. So I spent the day with Natasha, and this particular day was huge because she was about to lead a school strike protest for climate in the lead-up to the federal election. Yeah, so at Kirribilli House, like a news channel was like, OK, we're going to record you at this time. And I was like, hey, slay. And then I did literally... The worst interview ever. Natasha Abaya Wickrama is one of the organisers and joins us. She's 17 years old. Natasha, good day. Hi, how are you? I think it was Steve Price. Explain to me what you're protesting about outside Kirribilli House today. He was like, but let me ask you, like... How do you get to school? In a, on a bus or in a car? Yeah, well, we have electric vehicles now that are becoming more popular. We have no, 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 but I'm, I'm talking about you personally. How do you, how do you get me to school? Me personally, school by, via public transport. And then he asked me, like, what emissions my school bus ran on or something. Uh, so that's an electric bus, presumably? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe it'd be a good idea to find out. He, like, started yelling at me about India and China and all of their emissions. I mean, they are much worse polluters than what we not, are. I'm, I don't know what they're yeah. teaching you at school wherever you go, but that's simply not correct. And then, like, he kept interrupting me every time I tried to respond to him with, like, more things about, like... I mean, the food that you eat every morning for breakfast and when you go home tonight for dinner is delivered by a truck. I'm sure you're aware of that. Without those trucks, you wouldn't have anything to eat. The last thing I said was, look, I'm just concerned about my future. And I'm hearing the science and it's making me scared and that's why I'm here today. I, as I said, admire your passion. Um, I'm not sure it wouldn't be better if you were uh, at school and protesting on the weekend after school finishes for the week. But good on you. Well done. And thank you for talking to us. No worries. And then after I literally almost cried, I was like, that was horrible. I'm like glad I experienced it because I can like tell people like, oh yeah, Steve Price yelled at me on live radio and that's kind of a flex. 
After some great and some not-so-great interviews, Natasha gets on a train bound for Kirribilli House, where she hopes to confront Scott Morrison directly. So I've just arrived at Kirribilli House. It is obviously a beautiful area. Kirribilli is right on the harbour of Sydney. It is tree-lined. There's a lot of Land Rovers here. For most of the kids I chat to, it's actually their first time visiting Kirribilli. So can I ask just your name and how old you are? Um, I'm Ethan. I'm 16. And have you been to Kirribilli House before? It's actually my first time. Can I ask you, like, what you think of this area and your impressions of this giant house? Yeah, well, I'm from Western Sydney, so it's not like what I'm typical, like, typical around there. Um, very extravagant, like, yeah, it's very different to where I live, um, and that's obviously just a reflection of privilege and stuff. At this point, the crowd's grown to maybe 3,000 kids, all gathered under the shade of the imposing sandstone wall that surrounds Kirribilli House. My name's Natasha. I'm a 17-year-old Year 12 student based in northwest Sydney. And then at 12 o'clock sharp, Natasha, sporting a pair of impeccable fluoro pink Nikes, takes to the stage. Welcome to the March 25 Global Climate Strike! and all frontline voices of the climate crisis because Scott Morrison and the Liberals can't do their jobs. And the vibe is super electric. Kids are here from all over Sydney. Some have travelled for hours and you can see that they've put so much effort into the protest. They have these little hand-painted signs, they've got banners, they've made T-shirts. A lot of them have musical instruments. Sorry, I just want to just capture this moment, a bit of a selfie moment. <laughs> And so I chat to some of the kids to get a sense of how they're feeling. Can you explain your sign to me that you've bought? It's great. Um, well, it says hot girl summer should be seasonal because hot girl summer is great, but it shouldn't be all year round, thanks to climate change, basically. <laughs> so how do you feel about this coming election? Um, I, to be honest with you, I'm just stressed. I feel yeah. like we talk about it all the time, actually, because a lot of people in our generation, I think this speaks to a lot of politics and how the government is handling everything, um, have anxiety. And it's, it's genuinely, genuinely creates anxiety in me. But also, I, I think it's, it's also says something that it's somehow fallen in the hands of young people because the older generation just isn't taking the initiative. And I think that's really frustrating and it says a lot. Literally in the past two months, there's been massive flooding. And like, what has Scott Morrison done? It's kind of been the main cause of like my anxiety my whole life. Like I think I've had anxiety since I was like seven. All these kids expect Scott Morrison to show up for them and listen to what they have to say, to the point that a lot of them were crafting messages on their notes app just in case he does show up. So you've written in your notes exactly what you're yeah. going to say. Okay, would you like to read it to me? Yes. Scott Morrison, you cannot ignore us any longer. The climate crisis is at our doorstep, so now we are at your doorstep. Instead of taking responsibility, you and your government have played the blame game. But unfortunately, all these notes app speeches were destined to be archived because Scott Morrison didn't show up. And politicians rarely do to any protest, but it did surprise me how genuinely they expected him to be there. 
So I asked Natasha how she felt about not being able to confront Scott Morrison directly. Well, I think kids are angry. Like, we have stuff to say to him because so much has happened. And he's not responsible, but, like, he has a responsibility to, like, respond to, like, all these things. And that's the thing. Despite being directly responsible, politicians have never really shown up for these kids. If there's someone who's meant to represent you and have your best interests at heart and they're not, like, doing that... Being a young person, I feel like we all have dreams and whatever, like, things we want to do and be. And then we have people like the government who destroy them. That's so, like, dramatic. But, like... (laughs) One thing that struck me was just how disillusioned some kids already are with politics. Politics on both sides. It's fairly obvious, like, everyone sees Labour as the lesser of two evils when it comes to progressive policy, but they're still pretty bad. And she's not wrong. When it comes to climate change, neither of the major parties are doing anywhere near enough. By 2030, Labour's proposing to reduce carbon emissions by 43%, while the Coalition has committed to something between 26 and 28%. Both of those targets, though, fall seriously short of the Paris Agreement. In the weeks just after the school strike protests, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, released the final part of their damning report. Emissions of greenhouse gases need to peak within the next three years. But time is almost out. We've got to peak carbon emissions before 2025, says the UN. In a nutshell, the report says we've got three years. That's the term of this next parliament. At least with Labour, like... There's room to put pressure on them. There's room for them to do better. So putting pressure on political parties now, going into this election, is incredibly important to these kids. Will you be 18 by any chance by the election? No, I turn 18 after the election. It's like, yes, I'm 18 next year, but I don't... I still can't do anything in the next vote, you know? Like, it's... And that's the one that matters. The problem is... None of these kids, whose futures stand to be so fundamentally impacted by the results of this election, can vote. And so they see these protests as their only option to make any real change. I'm still a minor, and no, I can't vote. We just have to trust that the government is going to do what's in our best interest. We'll be back after this. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Most kids I speak to can pinpoint the exact moment they began to feel their sense of climate anxiety. For a lot of them, it was before they were 10 years old. Natasha has been involved in the school strike movement for years, and it's really beginning to take a toll on her mental health. She can't vote, 
And even if she could, she feels like there isn't too much that sets Australia's two major political parties apart. So you can understand why she might feel a little hopeless. Coral reefs are sometimes called the rainforests of the sea. I think when I was nine, I was hearing about climate change. I feel like I like watched a documentary or something, like either in class or like some sort of video about global warming. And then it like freaked me out. And if nothing changes, then within 15 years, nearly all the coral in the world will be in danger of dying and disappearing. I've definitely had a lot of existential thoughts when it comes to the climate crisis. And then it turns to like, oh, it doesn't matter, I'm going to be dead because of climate change, and I just make jokes about it. I wondered how someone who has had this climate anxiety their whole life consume media, how Natasha escapes that. As a coping mechanism, Natasha spends a lot of time online looking at videos. There's actually this whole section of the internet dedicated to what's called Duma videos. Doomers basically believe the world is doomed because of human inaction, whether it be climate change, pollution, or overpopulation. But there are a lot of videos on TikTok for doomers. Recently, my nephew came up to me and started a sentence out with, uh, when I grow up, I want to be, and I just started laughing to myself a little bit because it was 70 degrees in December. You're not growing up. Literally, like, existential jokes all the time. Like, sometimes we'll be talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, that would be so cool, like, in 10 years, if I can do this, because hashtag climate change, like, laugh out loud. Guys, we did it. We solved climate change. The Earth's temperatures are going back to normal. Oh, wow. That's, that's great. Great. It's amazing. You're going to have a future. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I have no retirement savings. Wait, what? Like school track, like we have like we make like memes on Instagram and wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna read one that I find funny. It's funny when you see it. It's basically just My therapist says it's perfectly healthy to refresh news blogs about the climate disaster unfolding in Australia. Because it helps you stay in control of the news cycle, and you can seem smart when you're really just chronically anxious. So, doomers grew up in a time where technology was increasing exponentially, which means they've pretty much had unlimited access to a 24-hour news cycle and an internet's worth of information for their entire life. I think the general viewpoint that a lot of young people have especially is that the world is bad. <laughs> the world is bad, and that, that is a result of all this horrible news that we constantly get. Bad things happen all the time. <laughs> I remember back when I was a kid, the only news I watched was with my parents before dinner. Tonight, interest rates heading down again. We sat down in front of the TV and watched news for exactly half an hour, and when it was finished, that was it. That was my entire news consumption for the day. And in the wake of the floods, ecological crisis on three North Coast rivers. But for kids like Natasha, things have changed. She's exposed to news almost constantly in the form of push notifications. It's on Twitter, it's in her emails, it's on her Instagram feed. I have friends now who are experiencing burnout and wanting to disengage from the media, but they're in their mid-20s and 30s and they've been working for a decade. Natasha is exhibiting the same feelings and she's only 17, and this is not uncommon. I feel like I am currently burnt out, especially because I do so much. Like I'm in year 12 and I organise the climate strikes. Like, I 100% like after March 25 like I was 100% burnt out from that 
And I was like also had school and, you know, a life on top of that. But despite dealing with the responsibilities of organising the school strikes, finishing her final year 12 exams, getting into university and maintaining some semblance of a social life, Natasha feels compelled to keep going. No one is telling me to be in school strike. No one is forcing me to do it. But I, I still do it for some reason. For some crazy reason, maybe climate change is the reason. <laughs> how old will you be in 2030? We'll be 25. And how do you think about your life when you're 25? Like, do you have a vision of what you'll be doing? Well, honestly, I want to just be able to live my life and not have to worry about constant floods or bushfires or, like, you know, rising sea levels or endangered animals, you know, like... Am I even going to have grandchildren to be able to, like, live on this planet or, like, you know? So Yeah. In the year 2050, when Australia is promising to hit net zero, Scott Morrison will be 82. Barnaby Joyce and Angus Taylor will be 84, and Anthony Albanese will be almost 90. Our current sitting politicians will all have retired. But for these kids, these dates aren't just hypothetical points in the future to attach policy to. They're tangible dates that will be firmly in the middle of their lives. So I'm assuming I will be... I'll be a working girl by then. I'll have a job. I'll be adulting. Hopefully, if climate change doesn't have anything to do with it. By 2050, and probably sooner, Western Sydney, the area where Natasha lives, will almost certainly be seeing multiple days over 50 degrees. It was the hottest day ever recorded in the Sydney Basin. Incredibly, the mercury rising to almost 49 degrees in the city's west. Just in general, like, how hot is it going to be outside? Like, am I going to be able to, like, go on a run in the morning anymore? Like, But the downpour's been heavy enough to leave a major flood emergency in Western Sydney. So when kids think about their future, it's not just about where they'll spend their gap year and where they might work. But now they're also thinking about how increasing extreme weather events will impact where they'll live and how they'll live. Will I live on the coast? Like, will it be underwater? Like, if I live, like, inland, like, is my house, like, going to burn down? Like, this is a serious problem. And hopefully people in power can see that soon. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Also in the news today, at Labor's campaign launch in Perth yesterday, Anthony Albanese unveiled the party's housing policy. Under the $329 million housing initiative, the Commonwealth will take an equity stake in homes bought by some new home buyers. The government would cover the cost of up to 40% of the purchase price of a new home and up to 30% for an existing home. And in his regular address to the nation, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky warned that Russia was trying to make areas in the east of the country uninhabitable with its assault. He also said that Ukrainian forces had so far destroyed about 1,000 Russian tanks 2,500 armoured vehicles and almost 200 aircraft. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.